Welcome to our first episode of 2023, and we are kicking it off with a listener Q&A episode. Lauren recently asked, what confuses you most when it comes to strength training? And y'all had such killer questions that we wanted to make it a full feature episode. So sit back, relax. You are listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Why do people like Emily in Paris? Lauren, do you do you know? <laughs> I do not get it. And a lot of my friends like it where we usually enjoy the same TV, especially if it's of like the trash, romantic, stupid rom-com variety. But <laughs> I, I just can't get into it. We it, gave so Caitlin and I watched three episodes last night and I said yeah. I'm gonna give it three episodes to see if I like it. And I literally ended up Googling why do I hate Emily in Paris so much? But then I became, then I like came across this phenomenon of that. Like a lot of people hate watch it. They, yep. they watch it cause they hate it. And it's fascinating. It's, I don't, I just, I just yep. hate it. Wasn't it because she embodies. Everything? Oh yeah. She embodies everything that's wrong with America. Yes. And she's the least relatable character. If you, no. if you're like, Oh, Emily in Paris, she's so relatable. That's great. Love that for you. Yeah, I don't know but... who you are if you think she's relatable, <laughs> but I'm I'm like, I was watching it and I was like, Caitlin, this is like if the Devil Wears Prada wasn't good. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'm like, if Meryl Streep were here, this would be better, but she's uh, not. And uh, I couldn't really do it disappointing so lauren do you want to share the fun fact that actually my husband um was the one funny enough he told us about this based on emily in paris and i was like why do you know this (laughs) yeah i thought it was it it was it's a really good fun fact so we're sharing it because we were watching it yes because sorry if you like emily in paris we just really needed to talk about it because yeah we i really wish i liked it because i i really do like lily collins and i do I've never been to Paris, but I imagine that that could be fun sometime, and I just don't get it. I really don't. Nothing happens. It's, I don't, I also literally used to work with French marketers from Paris in my past life, and so I'm like, this is not how it works at fucking all, so I think also (laughs) I'm just like, Jake, because of that. But anyways, here, here is a fun fact. This, so there's this psychological syndrome (laughs) <laughs> called Paris syndrome and it it is defined as an extreme sense of disappointment exhibited by some individuals when visiting Paris who feel that the city was not what they had expected the condition is commonly viewed as a severe form of culture culture shock but what's fascinating is that the symptoms of this can be severe <laughs> people can have hallucinations feelings of persecution uh, anxiety and dizziness, Yikes. sweating, all kinds of things. It sounds very, very extreme. Um, yeah. by the romanticization, romantic. I don't Ra- fucking know. Roman- romanticization. Roman- <laughs> people word? romanticize France a lot or Paris a lot. Um, yeah. Well, I but, think that's one of the I mean, things. It looks like, beautiful. I've never yeah. been, so I can't really say. But well, Emily and Paris, wild. like 
romanticizes the the view of Paris. Like it looks so clean and beautiful and like I'm sure it is beautiful, but I've heard that it's not what they show. I mean, it's it's just like how there are some parts of New York City that are absolutely stunning and wonderful and there are some parts of New York City that literally smell like piss and Correct. you'll have to like walk by a man jacking off and it's awful which happened to me on my way to work one morning it was only one time though one time don't it was very early in the morning that's why we don't go to work early um that was not (laughs) the best but yeah i was like i like walked by and i was like oh my god i think it's happening i think that just that trench-coated man was doing what I think he was doing. And then I was oh like, this... why is it always a trench coat? Why? If, I mean, <laughs> at least it was a trench coat. I was pers- I was like, because it took me a se- It was bad. Anyways, hi, everyone. Welcome, <laughs> Welcome to the Average Climber <laughs> Podcast, where we educate you on stuff you don't need to know about, as well as things you do need to know about. Yes. I'm Lauren. I am a certified personal trainer and a climbing coach. And this is my lovely co-host, Caitlin. I am Caitlin, and I am a certified nutrition specialist. We are certified! Certifiably average, maybe more. Certifiably fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, today's going to be extra fun because, so this is is what happened. Let me tell you what happened. I just put out a little, put out a little Instagram reel, and I was like, hey, what are you confused about when it comes to strength training? And you all asked so many good questions and I was also like, wow, if I had to comment back on this, I wouldn't would be able be to podcast. It'd be episode. a lot. And I don't <laughs> want to type all that. So I was like, good job, team. Great questions. We're making this a podcast episode now. So yeah. I'm super excited. We're not going to get to all of them. A lot of you asked sort of overlappy questions, but good overlappy. job. <laughs> but we're going to cover, we're going to cover as much as we can um, and try not to make this thing too bonkers long, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions about strength training that need, that need dealt with. Um, (laughs) and you all asked so many good questions that we're just absolutely thrilled to dig into them. So, and Caitlin obviously has some, she's going to have some nutrition chime-ins too, because as much as we want to just eat pop tarts and become really strong and not worry about anything, um, sometimes that's not how it works. So (laughs) sometimes that isn't a good plan. So that's why there's both of us <laughs> we um, balance each other out and finish yes. each other's sentences sandwiches, sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Uh, well cute before we dive in lauren could you share just kind of some boilerplate info like um just some some bullets for us before we we get into these questions. Absolutely. So when it comes to strength training, there are some baseline. Th- there's a lot of baseline things I could want you to understand, but I narrowed it down to three. So there are a few things that I want to get out in the open before we get into this discussion on strength training in the context of climbing. So first and foremost, I said this before on the podcast, I'll keep saying it again, yada yada, but climbing is a skill sport. So in skill sports, other skill sports are gymnastics, figure skating, um, martial arts. So these are sports where primarily your skills are are the most important thing and you build strength to support your skill development. So strength and skill work together as in any sport, but especially in sports like climbing, skill is highly important. Um, so 
Remember that. Strength and skill work together. We want to develop our skills and strength, and developing these is not mutually exclusive, despite some things that internet tyrants would lead you to believe. <laughs> They're wrong. You can do both, um, and I recommend that you do. Okay, so that's number one. Second thing, I am personally of the philosophy that we want to train general strength to improve specific strength when it comes to climbing and strength training. So basically what that means is that I want you to get generally strong and athletic off of the wall and learn to apply that strength on the wall. So what I see a lot is, which isn't necessarily bad things, there's a lot of ways to slice slice an onion, although you should learn how to dice an onion if you're an adult. Um, yeah, in any big case, skill. <laughs> big skill, do that, um, side note. But, you know, Personally, for me, this is my philosophy as a coach, um, and it has worked well for many athletes, including myself, and I know many other coaches operate this way as well. But essentially, the thing about climbing is that is if you keep doing, if you try to make everything climbing specific, one, you're going to, you know, you might get a little bit worn out by doing a lot of the same types of movements. The other thing is, too, is that with climbing, it can be really hard to progressively overload things. Like if I wanted you to get better at, you know, so let's say the skill we want to get, I just want to give you an example so you understand, but let's say the skill I want you to get better at is, you know, doing those like slabby foot in crotch moves where you stand on a really tiny hold and go upwards. Right. So that's the thing that you're going to have to do. Sometimes you're gonna have to like kind of pistol squat on a tiny thing on a vert on vertical terrain. So if I wanted to make that harder, I would have to just, if I want, if I actually wanted to progressively overload you on that, I would have to find a way to, you know, do something literally on the wall. Like maybe that would be, I don't know. It would get really wacky. I'd have to like make the foothold smarter, smaller or make your handhold smaller and do this. And it'd be very, it's very hard to do that in a progressively overloaded, making it gradually more difficult so that you can do something harder kind of way. Whereas if I was like, hey, to get you better and stronger in squatting motions, we're going to squat. I'm going to have you do a back squat. And then when 50 pounds feels too easy, we're going to make it 55 pounds, right? That is so much easier to track and progressively overload and make you stronger. So you can do that. So you can do that general squatting strength, and then you learn to apply it on the wall by doing those types of climbing movements. So that's just one example, but I want you to understand that that is why we train gentlemen to improve specific. And it's not just in climbing that we do this. If you look at football players, baseball players, basketball players, all of these, you know, mainstream sports, guess what they're doing in the weight room? They are benching. They are deadlifting. They are doing all the same exercises, despite the fact that their sports look very, very different. So climbing is not an exception. In all sports where we do strength and conditioning, we get generally strong and to improve our sport-specific strength. So that is my piece there. That's a big one. Remember that. Not everything needs to be a climbing specific movement. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. <laughs> that's what, people will be like, I don't get how this translates exactly to climbing. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't. You just need to get strong. And then climbing translates to climbing. Any case. I rest Love my case it. there. But the third thing, I just want to do a quick definition. So strength training, I know this can get really confusing because there's about a bajillion different ways to strength train. But strength training is defined as anything you do to improve your strength. So this can be body weight. This can be with your with a TRX. This can be dumbbells, kettlebells, barbell, hangboard. Whatever you're doing that is applying resistance to your body and forcing you to do hard stuff. Very simply put. And 
to make it even simpler, this is no climbing shoes on work. So that is what, that is the blanket definition of strength training that we're going to be using in our discussion today. So those, those are the baseline things I wanted to lay out before we get into your really, really, really good questions. Yeah. Um, so Love yeah. Love it. Super important. Lay in the groundwork. But Lay in the groundwork. We, should we get into some questions now? Let's do it. Let's Sounds do like it. a plan. I just <laughs> made little crab claws. Crab claws. I, I like, y'all can't see that, but the things we do. Anyway. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Aside on the crab claws, oh my gosh. I feel my poor friend Galen, he just does funny things and then I talk about them. <laughs> but there is this one climb. I forget where we were, but he he knew he was about to have to grab like a really big pinch that was going to be challenging and in the middle of like a flash attempt he looks at his hand like his hand's the sock puppet and goes you pinch and wow. then he needs to go grab it and it was that's what i need to do wait did he do it though he did do it oh my it god worked. okay so crab now, claws that's the yeah way. you talk to your hand and go you pinch and then you go crab you go grab the pinch i i have done it it it's good wow i know this is anecdotal everyone but it's fun so just give it a shot mm. all right well sample size of one i'm gonna try that again sample size uh, of two i've tried it too oh oh okay so i'll i'll be sample size number three and see what happens perfect yep well yep where there's a will there's a way to break the cycle so anyway yes. let's go 100 success rate have at it <laughs> all right well let's dive in we have a really great question to get us started and alex asks how do strength curves kind of flatten out? Why is progress at the really high end slower? Would love to hear your thoughts on that, Lauren. Okay, so this all comes down to genetic potential. Um, and if you if you Google like strength training genetic potential, you'll probably get this graph. But basically, everyone has sort of the absolute max of what we can do strength wise um and i'll keep this general generally speaking um and it gets exponentially harder to see gains the closer we get to that genetic potential so this is why someone who's really this is why we have the term newbie gains right so this is why someone who's really new to strength training who's basically never done anything just does like one thing and they see all this progress it's because it's not very complicated or hard to take someone who is untrained or very lightly trained and make them stronger what gets more difficult is as we get closer to that genetic potential our gains start to flatten out and it gets harder and harder to get better so if you are someone who has been strength training for consistently for years you're probably in a place where you need to be a little bit more intentional with what you're doing um so essentially, in a nutshell, the complexity of what you're doing has to get greater as you get closer to your genetic potential. But the flip side of that is that if you're relatively new to strength training, um, and I would say even, man, I don't know, I, I suppose my strength training background goes back about, uh, seriously, like six years, and I still feel like the basics are working really well, and I don't have to go too crazy with complexity, and I have, you know talk to athletes who've been strength training consistently for even longer than that. And it really, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, so just something, especially because, you know, we are climbers trying to get generally strong for rock climbing. We're not, you know, trying to reach 
maximal feats of strength and power. You know, if I was talking to a bunch of power lifters, this would be a different discussion, but we're trying to but be- we're not. But we're not. <laughs> so, um, right. So we aren't, you know, trying to like maximize our lifting potential. We're trying to just be athletic and strong for rock climbing. So you can keep things pretty simple, but in a nutshell, that is why- strength strength gains flatten out and that is why as we get closer to our genetic potential we have to you know be a little bit more conscientious and try harder to do a better job of strength training and making our programming good and smart kind of sucks but kind of cool at the same time definitely a double-edged sword (laughs) that is nice though to know it's not so like you know finite (laughs) no and also if you're super new to strength training the good news is like you can just kind of do whatever seems fine and it's gonna work so there's no, there's no perfect answer. There's just, what are you actually going to get done? <laughs> yeah, totally. So what could someone do in that scenario, I guess, to just keep progressing? You know, how can we continue that, that progression forward? So I'm going to save my answer to that because I know I'm going to tell you about that in another question someone asked. Okay, excellent. <laughs> wow. These are great questions then, and it just goes to show oh, that yeah. y'all no. have these, you know, very important and very similar questions because there's just a lot of information out there and it's oh. really hard to know what to do. <laughs> right, totally. For sure. Okay, well, the next question is... <laughs> Very interesting, too. Uh, Riley asks, is there some point of diminished returns where certain strength levels mean gains are, quote, junk miles? I super duper love this question because somewhere along the line, we this idea came up that there's like strong enough for climbing. And while I do agree that and I have coached people that are uh, I would say detrimentally obsessed with strength training, like six days a week to the point where they aren't getting enough climbing done to get, you know, better at climbing. Right. Like there's definitely this balance of if you want to, we're lifting to get better at climbing, not climbing, you know, whatever. Right. So I think there is a certain point, maybe not a point of strong enough for climbing or like too strong for climbing, but there is a certain point where it's like, are we spending our time on the right things? That being mm-hmm. said, I do want to say definitively that we do climbing in terms of the research and all of that is a relatively young sport. And at this time, I am personally not aware of any data showing definitively that a certain amount of strength for different movement patterns is like a good enough level of strength for climbers. Like we don't have that. I can't tell you, oh yeah, if you could do a three times body weight deadlift, you're done. You don't ever need to get any stronger again. Right. Like we just don't, that would also be really gnarly if you could do that. Hats off to you if you can sick, but like, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't have this information. Um, so another thing I want to point out is that in climbing, like I said earlier, we want to get stronger and better. So what the trap can be with this, kind of like I said, is that we don't want to spend too much time trying to get strong when we need to spend more time trying to get better at rock climbing, right? Um, And I am going to go into some like programming recommendations for what usually works for people that are climbing and combining climbing and lifting. So we'll get into that too. But my opinion on this matter is that we should always be pursuing strength, but not at the expense of our time for climbing. So if climbing is your primary goal, uh, 
you should be spending time climbing and not trying to, you know, spend 11 days a week in the weight room. Um, I came up with this this morning. I think it's very clever. I hope you enjoy it. Strength is like cheese. You can never have too much. Facts. Correct. Facts. <laughs> so you, and also another thing I just want to add on to this is that like, if you're on the younger side of like 35, this is, and Caitlin can weigh on, in on this because she's more versed in this, but this is the time in our lives where it's easier to build strength and muscle. It gets harder as you get older. So I'm kind of on team, you know, if you're... Do it now. <laughs> do it now. Like, get it now because it's a lot easier to maintain strength than it is to build it. So, like, relentlessly and continuously pursue building strength as long as, you know, you don't lose sight of the goal, which is become a better rock climber. And the good news is, too, um, and we'll kind of get into this, but the good news is, you like, you really don't have to spend that much time lifting in the grand scheme of things to get stronger and see results, which is really cool, which is why, you know, when people say like, oh, you're not good enough at climbing to like need to strength train. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you like can't do a pull up, you could spend like 20 minutes twice a week trying to develop pulling strength. And that would probably be beneficial without, you know, being a detriment to you getting to go rock climbing. So I'll leave that there. But yeah, in short, no, there. <laughs> I don't think there are diminished returns when it comes to going past certain quote strength levels. I don't think there are quote junk miles to this, but I do think you need to be conscientious about how much time you're spending pursuing strength versus pursuing getting better at climbing. Yeah. I feel like that's a really good point because I mean, I, I definitely work with a lot of athletes who they do a variety of things, and I walked in and said, you should talk to Lauren about <laughs> strength training and climbing, because I feel like that good enough mentality is a bit frustrating and sort of, like, limits your, I don't know, like, your awareness of how to move forward, but I definitely agree with you, Lauren, when you say you know, strength training now, start anytime. Like it's not too late because ultimately as you get older, I would say maybe 50 plus, it does become a bit more challenging to build muscle. And that's because the stimulus needed to build muscle sort of changes. Um, we just need more of a stimulus. We need more protein coming in and a stimulus by that. I mean, is just strength training in general. Um, but we might need to do more of it, different exercises, and also take into account that things are changing. And that's that's normal. That's a part of life. But the best time to start is really now. So, yeah. Big facts. Well, before we get into some questions about programming, should we take a quick break? Let's do it. It's 11.14 p.m. Your innocent Google search for climbing training started two hours ago. And what started as a quick search to learn how to get better has turned into an odyssey of epic proportions. Because the first article you read seemed great, but it didn't agree with the next one. Or the next one. You're growing wary and confused. Every coach has a different name for everything. The terms are a labyrinth designed for despair. Power endurance, strength endurance, drag grip, crimp grip. I mean, what is all this shit? And should you start using a hangboard? 
because no one seems to agree on that either. And somehow it seems your innocent desire to improve your training will require blood and sweat and doing something torturous every night of the week. And why are there so many ab workouts to do when you just wanted to go rock climbing anyway? It's madness, pure madness. And here you are spending time making 1,000 little confusing decisions instead of getting anything done. But perhaps there is another way. If you're ready to stop the madness and get a training plan that actually works for you and your schedule, then check out Crush It. There's one for boulderers and one for sport climbers. And these self-guided training plans allow you to tailor your training to your schedule and goals. No madness required. Head on over to the show notes to learn more about the Crush It programs and start training today. back with Lauren to answer more of your listener questions. So we're going to dive right into programming. And Lauren, how about it? You ready? I am. I am ready. Okay, so let's let's get into it. So in this section, we're talking a lot of you ask questions like, how much should I strength train? What exercises should I do? What sets it? I was I was honestly so proud. I was like, you're asking the right question. <laughs> yeah. And I Ask- Yoga count as deadlifting. So good job, everyone. I love it. These are really great questions. I feel like I never see these in comments on Instagram either. So I'm like, damn. I was also thrilled that everyone, I, I, I love you all very much. Sometimes people on Instagram put like a fragment that is not even a complete (laughs) sentence. And I'm like, I asked for a question and this is a word vomit. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with this. So what do, and also one time 30 years ago, I ate a sandwich and it's like, or like, what, what questions do you have about this? The comment heel hook. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you everyone for going above and giving us real questions. I don't know. Yeah. So, so in any case, great, great work team. All right. Excellent. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. And we have a, an Instagram account called V40 Bouldering Club. And they ask, if you normally climb three to four days a week, when is the best time to, and how many days a week should you fit in strength training? Ooh, I love this question. This is, this is the big one. So put your strap in, <laughs> put your listening ears on. Um, this is kindergarten. Get your Welcome. walnut ready. <laughs> get your, get your noggin ready for some learning. Um, okay. So I'm listing these in order of priority. I want, before I get into this, I want to say, you will not get this perfect all the time, and that is okay. Done is better than perfect, but I do want to tell you what, like, good, better, best sort of looks like, right? So, number one is, I want you to fit your strength training in when you actually can and where you have time. So, if, for whatever reason, your, where you can strength train and when you can strength training conflicts with you know, this is good. Do strength training. So that's where we have our good. If And if this conflicts with anything that I'm about to tell you, I'd still rather you get your strength training done, even if it isn't perfectly timed or whatever it may be. But that's number one. Fit your strength training in where you can and where you have time. Number two. Um, so there are a lot of ways to get your strength training in around three to four days a week of climbing. Um, most of my athletes, I have them strength training 
one to two times a week and that's usually plenty um if it's one time a week usually it's a pretty long it's a longer strength session so usually probably over an hour and then for my athletes that are doing it two times a week it might be like anywhere from a 30 to 45 minute or maybe two one hour sessions depending on how much time they have and all of this so I don't have many athletes that are strength training three times a week right now Maybe I will in the future because of someone's schedule, but for a lot of people, uh, myself included, one or two times a week works pretty well um, along with climbing three or four times a week. So an example, so typically what I want you to do is I would prefer to have you strength training after your climbing, whether that's in one session. So maybe you have, you know, if you have a huge time block, maybe you have three hours at the gym, you do a climbing session, and then you go do your lifting session right after that. So that's one way you could do it, or you could do it second day on. So day one, you climb, day two, you get your strength session in. So here's an example of what that might look like over, you know, let's say you climb three times a week and you want to strength train twice a week. So you might want to write this down. I am not an audio learner, so doing this to you makes me want to die, but listen up. It's not that hard. And write it down if you need to. <laughs> but so, and I'm not going to list days of the week, but you'd go climb, strength, rest day, climb day, another climb day, strength day, rest day. So that's two days on a rest day, three days on a rest day. Um, and you're just going to have to play with what works for you. So if you're straight and what, what works for you, you, I want you to just look at your numbers in your strength session to figure out what's good. So usually, you know, you might be like, I'm going to try to see what happens if I do my strength session after I climb. And maybe you do it and you're like, that was very much trash compared to what happens <laughs> when I have a night of sleep. And then I, you know, just do it the second day on. So that's something that you need to figure out for yourself, but there's kind of an example schedule. And then the last thing I want to say about this is that climbing, so I kind of talked about, touched on this a second ago, but climbing takes priority over your strength training because you can get a really good strength training session done. Even if you're like tired from climbing or another outdoor activity, like strength training is about punching the clock, getting in the door and getting it done. You don't want to wear yourself out with strength training so that it impacts your skill work as you climb. So if you can avoid it, please try to not be tired from strength training when you go to rock climb, if you can. And you might find some people are like, no, but I love my climb day strength session, another climb day. And if that works for you, that's great. You know, like I said, these are guidelines, not rules. And I would also need to know a lot more about what you're doing in those climbing and strength sessions to decide if that seems quote good or bad. But those are, that's the general gist. I really think like that is big picture how most of my athletes um, and myself goes about strength training combined with rock climbing. And that's that's sort of what we do. Caitlin, do you have any questions about that? That is a literal shit ton of information. So yeah, no, I actually think, I think it makes sense. What came to mind for me is people who like double days just by nature of how mm, busy their yes. schedule is. Do you think that I know it really depends on the person, what their goals are, where they're starting at and training age, but how do you feel about double days? How does this play into this, you know, climbing multiple days a week, still wanting to get strength training in? Maybe it's based on time, but where, you know, what, what do you typically tell people if this is something that is sort of important for them to do? Mm, okay. I like this. So I will say 
I do, some athletes I'm like, are like, I am not training twice in a day, that's not <laughs> happening, like, that is not how my schedule works, but for some people, that is how it works, like, maybe, for whatever reason, you like doing a two a day. I would say, and some, okay, another thing I will note is that some people are like, I cannot boulder in the morning, it is awful, and I hear, pardon me, I hear you, I also sometimes think it sucks, so if that's you, I do think you could, you could do a strength session in the morning and climb in the evening if that feels better for you. I know a lot of people, especially, they'll be like, well, I can I used to do this myself. I'd be like, I can strength train before I leave for work because I have some stuff at my house, but then after work, I'm going to the climbing gym because of how your schedule is. I think that's fine. Just some things. Okay, well, I'll ask Caitlin for, like, nutrition yeah, side I got, of... I got some yeah. important tidbits there. <laughs> yes, Caitlin has some important tidbits there. I think this can work fine. What I would say about this is that... If you're going to, so if the goal of your evening climbing session is like super high power output, trying really hard climbs, trying really hard boulders, and you want to have like the top ends of your strength and power, I would not recommend lifting in the morning, generally speaking. Maybe it works for you and it's fine and you can just handle so much training volume and you've been climbing forever and it's good, whatever. But for a lot of athletes, this could be not the best plan. What I would say is if I was going to pair two you know, a two a day together, I would say do your strength training in the morning and then do a more like work capacity endurance oriented session where you mostly just need to like do a lot versus having like the highest end of your strength and power outputs because you don't want to wear yourself out with lifting in the morning and then, you know, not be able to perform in the evening on really hard terrain. So that's what I would say about that. So I think you can do two, I think two a days are great if that works for your schedule go for it. Um, what I will say is listen to what Caitlin's probably about to say about <laughs> nutrition. If you're having a two day, cause otherwise you'll, you'll donk it up and it'll be terrible. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's two days are interesting because I, like you said, Lauren, like, I think it's, it's good. And a lot of people, that's all they have the option to do. It's just Life is crazy, so... Yeah, it's what it is. It like is I said, priority number one, do what works for your schedule. The yes. rest is bonus. Yes, exactly. But it is so critical to keep in mind that when you do double days, you are going to be bumping up your calorie output, which means, surprise, that your calorie input also needs to increase. And this might be you know, maybe it's not like a one for one. So for example, if you know your strength session, maybe you burn, you know, 200 calories or something like that. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you absolutely have to match that with an additional 200 calories. But I would say that that's a good principle and a good practice. So the other thing I will say too, is that it is imperative. If you have a double day, after your first workout, you absolutely need to focus on post-workout recovery food. And that could be in the form of a meal. It could be a snack. So for example, for me, if I have my strength training in the morning, I might have either a quick breakfast first, maybe it's a smaller like breakfast warm-up, if you will, then I'll strength train. And then immediately after I'll have a protein shake or a smoothie. And then I will also have breakfast. So it's important to remember that these, you know, depending on what your goals are, if you're trying to build muscle, which if you're strength training, you probably are, you really do want to support recovery and muscle growth as well. And those additional calories and that protein, especially after that session, is going to be hugely important. And you're looking for about 20 to 30 grams immediately after. When I say immediate, that could be 
30 minutes to let's say a couple hours after, but the sooner you get that, the more recovered you'll be going into your next session. I'm not going to say you'll be 100% recovered because it is going to be a slower or a shorter recovery period, but it is going to help support that and make it so when you go into that climbing session, you're a little bit more recovered than you would be otherwise. Um, So that's all I got there. Caitlin, question for you, because I feel like I know what I would just say anecdotally from my own experience of training twice in a day, but is there a time window you would recommend? Would you say if you're going to train twice in a day, like take more than six, like do it more than six hours apart? That's kind of like the number that comes to my head. But is there anything that you know in terms of just how we digest and recover? (laughs) Yeah, I would say... Oh, I'm trying to think back to what I learned in my exercise phys class. Um, I would say bare minimum six hours is probably good. I do have athletes who will do double days and do two hour strength session followed by a two hour climbing session. And I think that is terrible for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I think I, I do think that sucks. I think yeah. some people's life schedule sucks. Um, like <laughs> if you're, for example, if you're like a nurse and you do, yeah. you have like four days a week where you work 12 hours a day and then, you know, whatever you don't, if you're, if your life schedule is such that you have to have like two massive days in the yeah. gym, because that is all you get, you know, it's not the best, but make it work. Um, it be what it do. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't have to do that, I would not because it sucks. Um, if, if you have to though, I think that just goes to really emphasizing your nutrition before, during, especially because that's a big old window of time that you're doing work. So having fuel during is important, but after too, to help you recover and making sure that your daily calories are supporting your overall energy output. So on your double days, I I definitely think that being in a deficit is sometimes inevitable just by nature of how busy you will be in that that day, but do make sure that you try to hit those calories and especially during your rest day, which I would hope would be the next day or so to make sure that you can catch up and give your body time to recover. But it is what it is. Schedules are schedules. So yep. There you have so it. to tie, tie that very good question and very big question up with a bow. And a lot of you asked like, how do I strength train and climb? And many of you cited like anywhere from two to four days a week. So in a nutshell, if you climb three to four days a week, one or two strength training days a week is probably fine, and you can do it either after a climbing session or you can do it the day after rock climbing, and we listed a bunch of different ways to slice and dice that. The big take-home here is that you don't want to be worn out from strength training when you go to climb, so do whatever you got to do with your nutrition, with your schedule, to try to prioritize climbing over strength training right from a scheduling perspective Aww. so that's the good question b40 bouldering club for asking <laughs> i love it you're gonna be sending v40 in no time <laughs> b40 hell yeah <laughs> sounds like v8 with like extra tomatoes b40 40 tomatoes, 40 in, a tomatoes in a can oh, gross God. Oh my God. well extreme bloody mary okay we're done. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god, how does it get more extreme? Um, more <laughs> more Clamato juice. Um, oh anyway, okay, next question is sort of tangential to this. I think it's a good follow-up. But Alexandra, Alexandria, sorry, I, I left out your eye. Uh, she asks, what compound movements should you do if you try to climb three times per week or two times per week? Ooh, okay. Well, this is sort of irrelevant of how many times you climb a week, and these are the movement patterns that I want you to tackle. This is a big one. This is, it's so simple, it's gonna hurt you, but it's great. So, in, in programming strength training for climbers, these are the five movement patterns. One of them's a quote movement pattern, but these are the five things I like to hit. So we want to do some kind of exercise that is a hip hinge. Um, so if you don't know what a hip hinge is, that's a deadlift, a kettlebell swing, a glute bridge, something like that. Um, so look up those movements or just Google hip hinge and you'll, you'll see a picture. But so we want a hip hinge. We want to do some kind of pushing. Um, so that can be push-ups, overhead pressing, other pushing we're doing pushing <laughs> stuff and you can do bench press you know what have you um we also have pulling i'm sure you're aware of pulling pull-ups rows yada yada squatting like i talked about before so some kind of squat and then abs um and i put abs with an asterisk because there is a lot of data to show that our abs are highly activated by you know deadlifting and squatting just as much as they might be by crunches. So if you are short on time and you are also just getting started with lifting, you might be able to just skip abs entirely because a lot of lifts are... Abs is like the optional one. I don't always give all my athletes an ab exercise just because a lot of all of these exercises activate your abs a lot and kind of get it done. But abs are great. It's fine. But you know, just, just a little note there. But essentially, for a really quality lifting program, you just want to have one exercise from each of these categories. And that's really it. <laughs> it can be extremely simple. Maybe, maybe you'll do two from one, or maybe you'll have one day where you focus on, um, one thing I do want to call out is that we also have horizontal pushing and pulling and we have vertical mm. pushing and pulling. So you don't have to have both in your program at one time, but let's say maybe, you know, you've done the same session for six weeks and you want to switch it up. You could change your pushing and pull exercises. So if you were doing like vertical pushing and pulling, you could change it to like horizontal pushing and pulling. So to give an example of that, you might do, you might be doing a bench press and um, a single arm kettlebell row. So those would be your horizontal pushing and pulling exercises. So you get done with that and you're like, I want to change it up. So then you switch to vertical pulling exercise, vertical pulling and pushing. So then you got pull-ups for your vertical pulling, and then you might do um, an overhead press with for vertical pushing. So lots of options there, but yeah, really, really simply put, you just want to hip hinge, push, pull, squat, maybe some abs, and that is going to be totally simple and sufficient for your lifting, and you don't have to go crazy. One, one exercise from each of these categories will do you good. So feel like you could make a really fun song song i know i'm like um, it's like the head shoulders knees push and pull i was thinking that hokey pokey <laughs> like you put your hip hinge in want to push it out you do some deadlifting and, and then you do squat some it squats all about 
you do all your simple exercises and you don't do too much shit and you don't need to isolate your biceps. Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's the song. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Musical oh talent right here. Musical, yeah, We're good. that's great. So there's your song. Don't make it. Don't. Don't overcomplicate. Just get. <laughs> yeah, don't overcomplicate. If you're trying to be an athlete, do the movements that athletes do. You do all of these in climbing. And so just do them in the weight room. Get strong and send do the them things. So do there the things. Really good question, Alexandria. Very glad. Very glad you asked that. All right. Yes. Give me the, hit me with the next one. Let's go. I got you. I'm going to hit you with the next shot. Um, And speaking of, this person is shot by a goblin. Some of y'all's handles are unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what am I typing? But okay, fine. Okay. (laughs) Well, they said, I'm trying to add some strength training to my sessions and was wondering if there's a good heuristic for how many sets and reps I should be doing and how I can adjust those as my body gets stronger. Um, I love this. This is a great question that we've already answered. So I'm going to direct you to our snack break from July 14th, 2022, titled Getting What You Want Out of Strength Training. This is going to break down a lot of different sets and rep schemes for you, so you can kind of go there, but I will just say like a couple of general things on this since you did ask, um, and since I can, you know, add a little bit here. (laughs) Since I can. (laughs) Since I can. Very generally speaking, I see a lot of climbers or people that are new to lifting gravitate towards lower intensity higher rep work. So this, this I would categorize as like lighter weights and like 12 reps or more per set. So while this is good and this does build the adaptation of strength endurance, we do want to build up our maximal strength and power in climbing and sticking with just this low intensity, high rep work will not allow us to build out our maximal hardest pulling, hardest yarding on holds type of strength that we want to build. So that's one mistake I commonly see. So I do want to encourage you to build up your ability to work more in a maximal strength type thing. And again, listen to the snack break. You'll have a better understanding of that. Um, Another thing I want to say is that very broadly speaking for my athletes. So we have each of our, each of our like five areas. We've got our hip hinge, push, pull, squat, and abs. Usually I like to keep my athletes between like 15 and 25 total reps of these in a session. So this might look like three sets of five. This might look at a lot of things, but if you're thinking like, I want to do 15 to 25 on the very high end reps of each exercise throughout my sets and reps, um, that's kind of a very broad general guideline that you might look for. But again, listen to the snack break for the full answer to that question, because that is a very big question with a lot to cover, and we're trying to keep this episode of a reasonable length. So again, go <laughs> listen to the snack break from July 14th, 2022, and that's really going to break all of that down for you. Excellent. Love it. Sweet. Okay, next question from Climb Cook Cultivate. How eat, do pray, you- love from eat, eat, pray, love from Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, actually, that's a really good point. Uh, I wonder if that was their goal. Anyhow, um, <laughs> how do you balance recommendations to strength train three times per week for general health slash longevity versus climbing? And they said in parentheses, this is more for the 40, 50, 60 crowd. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I don't 
totally know where the idea that we need to strength train three times a week for general health or longevity is coming from, but I think this is generally on par with um, the guidelines set forth by our lovely CDC. So I'm going to go ahead and read this guideline for you for the activity of adults. So the adult physical activity guidelines from the CDC state that each week adults need 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity and two days of muscle strengthening activity. So in a nutshell, the average rock climber, if you're doing like two days of strength training and then like a couple of climbing sessions a week, you're probably more than hitting this general recommendation for being a healthy adult, which is cool. What a great sport, right? So hopefully that cut. So you don't, I don't think you necessarily have to strength train three times a week is sort of what I'm saying here. But, um, so very likely, um, for you climb could cultivate, you're probably doing just fine with overall activity. If you're aiming to strength train three times a week, along with getting some climbing sessions in. So nice work. Good job. I don't know what the stat is on what percentage of adults actually hit the recommended activity guideline, but I would, I would guess it's bad. It's low. It's, It's not good. But in our population, remember, climbers are not the same as the general public. Yeah, you all like to do everything every day of the week. And (laughs) everywhere. I'm trying to get you to sit on the couch. Yeah, you need more potato days. (laughs) Yeah. So, right. Um, But so that's that's that. Um, I would say, so generally speaking, I would say if you want to have more frequent, so if you do like strength training three times a week, you could have more frequent frequent relatively short strength training sessions that are maybe more like 20 to 40 minutes long where you hit like a couple of exercises in each section so one day might be like hip hinge and push day and another day might be like pull and squat day whatever um you know you might do set up your strength training like that hopefully by this point in the episode you're like wow there are so many ways to do this to make it work with my life and there are sorry not to like just be like there's a lot of options that are all really good options but that's the truth um so if you want to do, so if you want to do more frequent sessions and you want to strength train three times a week, I think that's great. You could, do, you could honestly, if you like to do these like shorter, more frequent sessions, you could do these at the end of your climbing day since, you know, maybe you're only picking like one or two exercises and that could be a great way to build out a strength protocol as well. Um, Caitlin, I know you talk about a lot how for older adults, frequency can be helpful in building muscle so is there anything you would weigh in here with in terms of like would you based on what you know would you say like having an older adult strength train more frequently makes sense for muscle building purposes or does it really just depend I think it depends I think it it kind of depends on where someone is starting you know say for example they're 50 and they've never strength trained I think it it could be helpful to you know maybe test it out maybe shorter sessions maybe maybe it's a couple days a week or just one big old day but I think it really just depends on what makes the most sense for you and where you're at, you know, the time that you have. And I, I think just what you said a little bit earlier, Lauren, it's more about, you know, instead of just hitting the high reps, low weight, it's probably more about building the, that max strength capacity and working up from there. And yeah, I think that's going to be a pretty big key, especially for the 40 plus crowd. I think there's, there's a lot to health and longevity there and taking a slower pace to 
give your body time to adapt and get used to a new schedule, get your nutrition on board, make sure it matches your, your changes to your training, make sure your other areas of your life are taken care of, including sleep and stress, you know, yeah. the body's a symphony, it works together, so. Oh, yes, exactly, and someone else asked, there's a question later that kind of asks, like, do you train people differently, like, depending on if they're 20 or 40. So we'll kind of get into that further later. But yes. speaking of building max strength, I think that brings us to another yes. really good question. Another great question from Stefania. They ask, how can I do max intensity stuff without injuring myself? I'm quite nervous about weightlifting that involves high intensity, low reps, because I'm scared of injury. How do I get over that? Wow. Very... Great next follow-up question. Love Seriously, it. great follow-up <laughs> question. Um, so I have two tips for you. Tip number one is build up to it. Tip number two is it could be really helpful to just invest in like 90 minutes of, a, you know, whether of a personal trainer's time to learn these lifts. And I will say, I know your friend that is good at lifting could probably teach you some things, but y'all, let me say this. Good coaches... <laughs> literally get education on how to teach you how to lift better and your friend that knows how to lift has not been taught how to coach lifts i have known how to lift for many years it wasn't until you know starting my coaching career that i learned how to teach people to lift properly in a way that's going to be helpful so not that you can't learn from a friend or from a video but if you really are concerned and you have you know the means to invest in some time with a personal trainer where you're like i want you to help me with deadlifting squatting and benching or something like that like just pick a couple of exercises that you want to learn from them and be upfront about that i think that could be a really great use of your time to build some confidence um and just learn how to do those lifts um yeah just start and it doesn't have to be those lifts in particular but i think that's one thing that could be really helpful if you're scared i think that confidence is really key because until you know you you don't know so yeah you might like think you're you know and another thing is if you are gonna like self-coach through some of these take videos of yourself doing it with a lighter weight and then compare it to some kind of you know instructional video from Mm -hmm. someone there's a ton of there's a ton of help out there um so that's one thing is maybe just get some support on learning certain lifts so that you feel good about the way you're doing it um another thing so going back to my first tip which is build up to it so you don't You don't have to, and I do not recommend that you immediately off the bat start out with going really high intensity. And I would say in a vast majority of the programs that I build, we start out with a relatively higher rep range. Um, So just to give you an example, maybe for four to six weeks, you know, you're lifting one or two times a week and you're going to do eight to 10 reps of an exercise. And so you're not doing, you know, you're doing relatively low weight, high reps, um, and you're going eight to 10 reps, right? Okay. So then that gets easier. Okay. The next four weeks, let's jack up the weight a little bit. And then I want you to do six to eight reps. And then maybe it goes to four to six reps. And then you can start working down into those, you know, three to five rep ranges, right? Versus you don't have to immediately start just being like, it's my day one of deadlifting. And now I'm going to load it up such that three reps feels hard, right? Like that's not what we want to do. So build up to working at these higher intensities and take a strategic approach and gradually increasing the weight and lowering the reps. So that, those are my tips, build up to it. Um, and again, I highly, I would not recommend that you just jump right in and try to go 
really heavy. I would say build a solid base of learning the lift at a lower weight and then gradually ratchet up the intensity as you get better at it. That's what I do in a large amount of my programming for myself and others. And I think you should do it too. (laughs) I love it. Nice. Sweet. Okay. Well, so the next question, Lily asks, how can you use strength training to preserve climbing progress when you can't climb for a while? I love this. So Lily, yeah. So Lily, you might be able to kind of throw some of what I've said in this podcast out the window, because if you really don't have time if you cannot climb for some reason, you could honestly bump up your strength training sessions to like three to four times a week. If you're just focused on getting real, like I would say if this happens to you, whether, um, whether it's like a lower body injury and upper body and whatever it is, but try to just get generally really strong. Um, you also might be able to put a little bit more of an emphasis on pulling strength. So maybe you do like a couple, you know, you do extra pulling exercises or you do extra pulling work just because we do need pulling strength as climbers. And then the last thing I would say is get on a hangboard and build some strong fingers while you're off of climbing. So you might not be able to build like the perfect, like climbing specific strength situation. But I think if you spent your time away from climbing, getting generally really strong and athletic and building some strong fingers, that'd be a really solid use of your time. So I would do that. Also check out our hangboarding episodes um, from last year. I can't remember what the numbers were on them, but (laughs) go look it up. There's two parts, hangboarding part one and two, and they're very helpful. Um, So yeah, go check those out. And if you can't climb for a while, not the end of the world, just get really strong and then come back and be like, wow, I'm so strong. And then it'll be fun. So I want to interject really quick too, because I think if someone can't climb for a while, I'm, I'm assuming this is because of maybe time or like a life logistic yeah. location thing. Yada, yada. But if you are injured or you have an illness or, you know, something that takes you out for a while because of those circumstances. It's, you know, if you can't even build strength, like for whatever reason, if if that's even going to be challenging, do not diet. Don't do it. (laughs) I will, I will come yell at you. Don't do it. It's the worst time because your body really does you know, when you don't have that constant stimulus of activation of muscles, like think if you've ever had an injury when your cast or your wrap comes off or whatever, you're like, oh my God, my, I broke my ankle and I had a cast on and now my calf looks like a noodle. Like it's, it's, it's because your body is using up that muscle for energy and it's, it's muscle wasting. So we want to make sure we're supporting our body's healing processes by consuming enough protein, but also we want to prevent that muscle wasting phenomenon that happens. So don't diet, eat enough calories, maybe eat more. Maintain your muscles, maybe eat more. (laughs) Love it. Love to see it. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our final question. question. And this is also from V40 Bouldering Club. And they ask, would you give a 40 plus year old the same climbing advice as someone in their 20s for bouldering? I love this question. I love this question too. Um, so what I'm going to, I've taught, we've already touched on this a little bit. So main thing I'm going to say is that for any athlete I work with, I primarily need to know your athletic history, what you've been doing, um, 
you know, as we get into a training plan, I want to know how you're recovering, what your numbers are looking like, all of these things. Um, and honestly, like while I, you know, I do want to be aware of your age and aware of all these things, there's so many other more relevant things that I look at in an athlete. Um, because I mean, think about it. There's a pretty big difference between a 40 year old who's been climbing for 20 years and strength training for 10 years versus a 20 year old who has never engaged in physical activity. Whereas you might have a 20 year old that's been, you know, so it's like age matters, but it doesn't. Your athletic background and what you've been doing and, you know, there's a lot of other factors that matter yeah. more than age when it comes to the way that I am going to train you and program for you. Tells a better I, story. Yeah, there's like a lot more to it than your age. Um, there's just there's just a lot there. One thing that I will say um, is that for, very generally speaking, we kind of touched on this, is that eliciting strength and power gains seems to get slightly more challenging um, as we approach our genetic potential and sometimes that goes with how we age. So for some of these athletes, I actually might have them strength trained more often. Like we might have to put a little bit more oomph. Like for example, there is a woman I'm coaching who is over 40 and I am like, mm, we like just getting pulling strength up for her has shown to be challenging. So I will actually, you know, and pulling strength is important. So I've done things like where we have our big strength training day, but then I like toss in, I'm like, we're going to do some pulling exercises, like a little bit of extra pulling within our climbing sessions, just to kind of like, you know, if I can tell that someone is like adapting slower than, you know, they might, if they were a little bit younger, we might just do like a little bit more, um, making sure that everything's like an appropriate dosage so that we're not dying, but we might just kind of like pump the gas on certain things a little bit more just to up that frequency and really make it happen. Um, but other than that, there's so many other factors I look at that I, I would say that people over 40 and 20, like, I don't know, there's too many other things to look at for me to definitively say like, oh yeah, over 40, this is what's going down. Like, it just really depends. So Caitlin, yeah. do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you covered it. I, I really think it's, it's just important to remember that you know, there are things that do change as you get older, but it shouldn't be the factor that is the most prominent in, in making decisions. Like, I think there are so many things that you already covered, Lauren, that are good to keep note of. And if you do work with someone, they're going to hopefully identify the other factors that will help determine the right protocol for you. And you know, don't use age as a limiting factor to hold yourself back or to feel like your potential is limited because I do think no. there's a lot to be said about training later in life when your schedule is theoretically a little bit more stable because you've figured stuff out and <laughs> you're, you know, you're out of your college years, hopefully, and maybe things are just a bit more routine. So you can, mm -hmm. in fact, give yourself more time and space to figure that out. So I definitely yeah. think it's, it's good to consider, but not everyone. Yeah. I also think if you come across a trainer or a coach that is like saying, if it says anything like, well, you're old. So, well, I'm sure they wouldn't say it like that, <laughs> but if you can like detect that they're maybe not, if they're like, pushing you, <laughs> yeah. If they're doing like weird ageist shit, that's very strange. And I would maybe like fire them <laughs> over that. Cause that's kind of yeah. odd and not what you want. Um, yeah, but I think, well, thank you. Thank you. That's all the questions. Thank you all so much. Hopefully you've learned a lot about strength training today. Um, hopefully you feel like you can take a lot of things away. Speaking of getting stronger using 
the power power duo of training <laughs> and nutrition, we have a couple of cool announcements. Um, so, first announcement is that we are bringing back our signature group program, Breakthrough. It is going to get started on February 20th. It is a program in which you get training and nutrition coaching on a customized level from both of us, along with the support of a really rad group. Um, this is our fourth time running it, which is insane. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm just so excited to bring it back. People just get such... The, the transformations we see in 12 weeks from people just really, like, hunkering down and focusing and putting in the work and supporting their fellow groupmates is really badass, and I just cannot... I can't wait to do it again. And we only run this once a year, because it's a lot, and there's just... It's, it's amazing, but we want to, we just like to go hard one time a year and then wait again until the next year. So that's getting started February 20th. And we're going to have more, more information about it coming soon. Um, speaking of fun things, um, we talked a lot about protein in this episode. Caitlin, do you want to tell, tell everyone about our fun protein related, uh, thingy? (laughs) 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 So this this idea, actually, I'm going to tell the origin story of it. Oh, briefly, yes. Perfect. I love it. So Lauren is living with me the month of January, the month that this episode is airing. And we have been discussing our goals. And Lauren came up with this idea with her big brain of <laughs> needing more protein and wanting to get serious on it. And thus evolved the idea of our accountability program called Protein Pals. It's so cute. So so cute. (laughs) It's so cute. So we're very excited. But basically, this is going to be a 14-day accountability group where all we're going to do is actually track how much protein we're consuming. So it's going to be fun. It'll be in a Slack channel. And then every day, Caitlin and I will be popping in there with fun insights, learnings, Tips, tricks, tips, tricks, recipes. reflection questions. It's going to be a very fun, strong free. time. And it's free. So yeah, stay tuned for details on that. We are getting, Protein Pals will be getting started on January 13th. will be our first official day of being woke to how much protein we're consuming, but it's going to be very fun. I'm very excited. And I was like, well, I'm going to be doing this anyway. So we might, Caitlin and I were like, we need to get get on our shit. And I was like, we might as well invite everyone to join in. So literally tons of fun things happening this month. We are super excited to just go in, go in strong into this new year. So thank you again for asking all these great questions. Um, get excited for breakthrough. Make sure to sign up for protein pals and until next time, keep it, keep it average. God damn it. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I'm a terror. All right. Have a good one, y'all. We'll see you next time. Catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs> flippity flip. This is the longest goodbye ever. This is so Midwestern. Catch you on the flippity, the flippity flip. flip. Lauren here. We hope you feel empowered to get stronger in 2023. Now, I'll close this out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. There is a lot going on this month, so buckle up and listen in. Excited to level up your strength building efforts? I have a program for that. You can learn more about Force Over Time, a strength program for climbers, by heading to the link in our show notes. 
and did nutrition for strength training pique your interest, then Body Comp Pro, a self-guided course on helping you master your understanding of what body composition is and how to pursue it safely and effectively, is for you. The course officially drops on January 9th, but you can enroll now. Watch the sections when you need it and refer back to material later. It's yours forever. Check the show notes for the link to enroll. And don't forget to stay tuned for more announcements about Breakthrough, our signature group program combining customized training and nutrition coaching. You can learn more about Breakthrough by heading to the link in our show notes. And if all of this strength talk got you curious about protein, then get ready for Protein Pals, a two-week accountability group. More details to come on January 7th, 2023. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find Caitlin on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and me on my Instagram at GoodSprayCoaching. Editing for this episode was done by me, Lauren Abernathy. The music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. And The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugToneAudio.com to learn more about the other shows on the network.